Hey, this is Elevation Gains Podcast. I'm Jim, an avid backpacker and hiker from Reno, Nevada. I'm Holly, a coach and weightlifter. I own a strength gym in Oakland, California. And on this podcast, we attempt to break down some of the barriers that keep people from enjoying the backcountry. All right. Well, welcome to episode three. It's crazy. I, I, I didn't think we'd make it this far. I'm just kidding. But we but did. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. So on this episode, we talk about the pitfalls and benefits of social media as they relate to the outdoors and all the things that we love. Uh, I found it to be a pretty interesting conversation. Yeah, I thought that it was really fun. I, we compared big, bigger and smaller accounts and the engagement and the experience of those uh, to some kind of surprising results. And I think that, that was pretty cool to dig into. And, you know, we talk about some of the traps that we've fallen into. And then we kind of finish with our biggest mistakes, our three biggest mistakes. Yeah, I, uh, I had a lot of fun recording this episode. I hope you all have a lot of fun listening to this episode. If you are listening on Apple Podcast and feel inclined to give us a review and maybe hit that little five star, we would certainly appreciate it. Yeah, that goes a long way to helping us out and uh, helping people find us, which is really what we're out here trying to do. Definitely. Uh, and I guess, yeah, let's get on to episode three. Hope you guys like it. Uh, I just healing my, my knee is still pretty messed up by, you know, by the time this episode comes out, all three episodes of the Ruby Crest trail videos on YouTube will be out. So I feel like I can talk about it now. Last episode, I didn't want to, you know, last episode, I didn't want to give anything away. Okay. So my Ruby Crest trail trip started out poorly. I drove down Thursday night and I camped just at the trailhead and I, di I didn't get there until like 1130 at night which is already oh, a bad, yeah, already a bad plan, like already not, not smart. And then I was feeling kind of lazy. So instead of like setting my tent up next to my car, or at the very least, like, like cowboy camping out on the ground next to my car, I tried to cram my six foot tall, 230 pound ass into the back of my Subaru Crosstrek. <laughs> and uh, needless to say, I did not sleep well. So the next day on, you know, two hours of sleep, I then tried to walk 17 very difficult miles and about six miles from camp, um, I crashed, just completely crashed. So like the whole latter half of the day was just a total ass drag. Um, second day went great. Second day was wonderful. And then third day was actually pretty good. And that, but three miles ish from camp. I was coming up over a saddle and planted my foot and the tread on my shoe did exactly what it's designed to do and gripped onto a nice solid piece of granite. So when I turned my body turned, but my foot stayed in place. No, 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 no. I don't like that. That's no, terrible. I didn't either. I, I didn't like it either. It hurt really bad. 
Uh, so I limped the three miles back to camp and then I was kind of freaking out. Like, and by kind of, I mean, I was really freaking out. So I'm 17 miles away from my car. I'm 200 miles away from home and I have probably just dislocated my knee. So I had kind of two options. I could in the morning, you know, regardless, I was camping, I was staying the night, no matter what. Um, So in the next morning I had to decide, you know, was I going to limp the 17 miles back to my car and just get myself out? Or was I going to bail down this side trail that was about six miles and try to hitchhike back to my car? Those are not Uh, ideal circumstances. None of it's awesome. Like there's no part of this that's rad. And your pain level at this point is really high. Like it, it, it was one of the most painful trail injuries I've ever had in, in all my years of hiking. Like it was, my knee was definitely dislocated. Like there's no question. Um, luckily as I was making my dinner, these two hunters came walking in, uh, after a really disappointing day where they didn't get to, uh, to get to kill anything, which actually I was kind of pumped on, but they were bummed. Uh, <laughs> um, and we got to talking, you know, and they were joking that they had just taken their shotguns out for walks. Um, and they asked me what I was doing. And I was like, Oh, I'm trying to through hike the Ruby crest trail twice. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, how's it going? I'm like, Oh, really bad. And I told them what happened. And they're like, well, we're, we're parked down at this trailhead. So if you want to go down there with us in the morning, we'll give you a ride back to your car. So I was able to catch a ride with them back to my car in the morning, but I still had to walk six completely downhill miles with a, with a destroyed knee. Oh my God. I never thought this day would come. I'm grateful for hunters. I I was too. (laughs) I, I, I feel like in the video, I handled it pretty well and, and tried to add some humor to it as much as I could with the pain I was in, but I still got like, like, and this is actually the perfect episode to talk about this story. I got two really, really shitty messages through the YouTube channel, um, basically saying that, that I was super disrespectful to these two guys that helped me out and all this, because I made a weird face when I was, I was doing like the talking head bit and explaining to the viewers, you know, so this is what's happening. These guys are going to help me out. This is what I have to do to facilitate getting helped, blah, 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 blah. And apparently at some point in that, I made a face, which was likely born of pain, which I was in a great deal of and uncertainty. Cause again, like I mentioned, I mean, I'm 17 miles away from my car and 200 miles away from home. And now I'm relying on strangers, you know, and I I would have had that same uncertainty if these were through hikers as I did, you know, what they were doing in the wilderness had nothing to do with why I was feeling uncertain. It's just the fact that they were strangers. I don't do well with strangers. Right. So anyway, I got these two really shitty messages that perceived the way I talked about them as being negative or attacking hunters or something like that. So it was really weird. Um, Yeah, that is what I've been up to. How, How about you? Uh, wow. I don't have anything like that exciting to follow up with. Um, mostly, honestly, I've just been coaching, uh, every single second of every single day. Um, but this last weekend we got a chance to paddleboard from really 
pretty deep in the river, uh, Russian River for reference, Northern California, um, all the way to the ocean. And that was really exciting. And at the ocean is a giant sea col seal colony that has also a pelican colony. And uh, it was kind of amazing because we left it, we got in the water at 6 a.m., which let me tell you, walking around Sonoma County in a wetsuit at six in the morning before the sun comes up does make you feel totally batshit crazy, um, but that's okay. Uh, so we got on the water at like six. It, we didn't get to the colony until like maybe uh, like two and the entire time just got progressively harder. When we put in the water, it was really, really easy. And then it just ramped up. And by the time we were paddling to the seals, if you stopped paddling, you got pushed back at least 10 feet. It was a total disaster. It was so funny though. Um, and so by the time we finally got there, I was like truly, well and truly exhausted. So I had this whole intention of like trying to free dive with the seals and see them underwater because there's a ton of them and like, it's just a unique estuary because it has like a sandbar that blocks it. So there's no predators, but there's a lot of seals. So it's appealing for me to be in the water because great whites are scary. Um, and I haven't mastered my fear of sharks yet. Um, and also the seals really like it because they don't get eaten. Uh, but by the time I got there, I was like, I just want to eat and lay down, please. That would be wonderful, please. <laughs> uh, because on a paddleboard, you can't use your feet. You have to use your arms the entire time. So and, and, and just for clarification, the way my brain is processing this, were you, were you paddling against the current? Uh, so it shouldn't have been, right? Like the whole idea in nature is when you have a river, the river empties into the ocean. And so when you're on a river, you should be moving towards the ocean with some kind of a current, right? Yeah. Okay, fantastic. That is not how it worked. Um, as it turns out that it's a big valley and there's a lot of wind that comes from the ocean and the wind pushes the very small of water, amount of water that we have in California back up the river. <laughs> wow, that sounds... That sounds exhausting. Oh yeah, and it was just like the coolest experience, like watching the sunrise from a paddleboard over totally pure, like flat water. And then like watching these huge waves come over this like colony in the sandbar. It was just totally epic. Um, and which one of your knees is, which one of your knees got messed up? Uh, the right knee. Okay, cool. So we're both struggling with right knee issues. And um, I was really excited because my knee held and it didn't hurt the whole time. Um, especially because about a couple of hours in, I realized that I didn't bring any drugs. So I didn't bring any NSAIDs. I didn't even bring like turmeric tablets, which I usually bring with me um, as like a hope I don't have to take NSAIDs. And so like, you can't go back or I guess now upon reflection, maybe I could have, um, but like you have one car and you need to go to the other car. So like similar to your experience, like you can't, you can't go back, except we weren't days out and I had pancakes in the car waiting for me at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely did not have pancakes waiting. Um, well, that actually, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, and it leads me into a wonderful little segue. I got my Lost Coast permit today. Oh, that's so exciting. Do you want to talk about why that's exciting? So the Lost Coast Trail is a 25-mile section in Northern California that's the last bit of undeveloped coastal, uh, like, wilderness. There's no highways through it, and it, it's such rugged and gnarly terrain that when they were building the one, they actually had to take it inland to go around 
where the lost coast is and then dip back down to the coast. So, you know, when you're driving down the one and then all of a sudden there's that section where you can't see the ocean, I'm hiking that section. <laughs> and why are you hiking it? Uh, because I'm going to be 50 and that is my 50th birthday present to myself. <laughs> so this episode, we are talking about the pros and cons of social media as they relate to our two worlds the hiking and outdoors world and you in the exercise and fitness world. Wait, I don't want to give everybody the impression that I'm not also in outdoor adventure land, just not as much as you. Right, right, right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I share a lot on social media. I I post two, three times a day to Instagram. I'm posting weekly to YouTube. Um, I post a couple times a week to my Facebook page I'm a fan of social media. I think there's a lot of positives to it, um, particularly when it comes to educating people on a thing that you're excited about. Um, I do also, of course, see the negatives. You know, you get the troll culture and and I kind of waffle back and forth. Like, I, I don't geotag anything on my hikes. And that's not, that's not a means of gatekeeping or anything like that. Like if somebody sent me a direct message and like, Hey, where's this trail? I would give them all the details. I would send them the link to the all trails map. Like if somebody were truly interested, I would make sure they knew how to get there and and what to do when they were there. But I I just don't geotag. And largely that came from um, when I first started posting to Instagram, I I didn't know how to geotag. (laughs) Okay. And now that I've learned, I'm just like, well, fuck, I haven't done it for three years, like why, why start now? But, you know, that said, if somebody were to reach out and go like you, perfect example, you saw a photo of Finger Lake that I posted and you're like, yo, where's that? Where's that trailhead? And I gave you all the pertinent details. Right. And I would do that for literally anyone. You know, if if somebody was like, Hey, I, I want to hike this trail. I saw your picture on Instagram. How do I get there? A lot of people use the concept of just of not geotagging um there's a, there's actually a geotag you can use on instagram now that just says tag responsibly i've seen that i've seen that right and so a lot of people i think use that as a method of gatekeeping um which it's and it is i think to a degree uh but it's not why i don't do it okay i think can i interrupt real quick oh yeah yeah, yeah. go so like i feel pretty strongly about this And it's funny that you used me as an example, so I'm going to continue on that. So I think it's important to go through the entire, uh, not important, I think it's part of the adventure to find the adventure. So like, I've spent so many hours on Google Earth and all trails and um, different talking to different people and um, exploring to find different places I want to find. And a lot of folks really just want the picture. So like you'll hike to the top of something and there'll be a picture. And I actually think that Instagram driving folks to take a picture is actually a good thing because it gets you to have a reason to go do more, right? But if you're not careful with it, especially if you have uh, a lot, a lot of followers, then you can make places become Instagram spots instead of people finding those things um, or more because they because they worked for it. Right. And like I think like 
going through, looking at the map, finding those things is really important. And so to speak to me asking you, one, I know you, you know me, two, um, I mean, fuck, this would be a weird and awkward podcast if we didn't know each other. Uh, <laughs> um, so like, you know that I'm not going to go out there with like a fucking boom box and like be a jerk to and throw my garbage on the ground. I hope you think that. Um, and uh, so like, I think it's important to make sure that one, people are connected to the community and connected to understanding how to respect uh, a spot, how to respect the adventure, how to respect the trail, whatever it is. Um, and also like to give people the opportunity to like find things on their own too. And when I reached out about Finger Lake, I have put so much time and effort into finding that fucking lake. I wanted to go to that lake so bad. And then you fucking posted a video and I was like, that's the lake I have been searching for. <laughs> um, so it's a funny example because like I did look a lot for it first. I wasn't just like, well, that's neat. I want to go there, which there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but like I had previously done a lot of weird research to try to find Finger Lake and I didn't know it was called that. To go back to one of your points, I, I think to a degree, the more people get out into wild spaces, the more they learn to care about wild spaces. And I, I think I think no matter what, there's going to be a small contingent of people that are just shitty people and they're going to go out and they're going to throw trash and they're going to uh, be disruptive. And there's, there's not a lot you can do about those those people. So I don't necessarily worry about them because they're going to be shitty people in a city they're going to be shitty people in the wilderness they're going to be shitty people everywhere they exist because they're just shitty people i do think that there's a large segment of our population who weren't raised around the wilderness you know if you grew up in a big city if if your parents never took you camping when you were a kid and they're just kind of discovering this whole other world and largely they're discovering it through social media. So I, I think there's a level of sort of understandable ignorance when it comes to a lot of like leave no trace rules and things like that. And I think, which is why you start podcasts called elevation gate. And yeah. And, and most people I, and I have personally encountered and most interactions that I've had on this subject in the backcountry have been positive. And it's just been um, people just didn't know. Right. You know, like, on, on a hike recently, I taught uh, this young kid, he, I mean, he couldn't have been more than 18 and he was out on his first backpacking trip. And I taught him how to hang a bear bag because nobody had ever taught him that. He didn't even know you were supposed to do that. Um, and he was thankful for the information. Um, so I think most people, and maybe I'm being wildly optimistic, but I think most people who are just discovering the outdoors will learn to care about it and will learn you know, oh God, I don't like seeing trash when I'm on a hike. So I'm not going to leave trash. You know, I don't like seeing initials carved into these trees. So I'm not going to do that. So I don't know. I, I go back and forth on it. I do think most places that you go are seeing increased impact from, from human activity over, over the last year or so, ever since COVID hit, a lot of people are running to the outdoors as, as a thing to replace all the things that they weren't able to do before. So I'm seeing a lot more impact. I am seeing more trash. I am seeing more negative impact. But at the same time, I watched 13 reels today on Instagram while I was bored at work. That was all people picking up trash on the trail. Yeah. 
13 videos that were posted today of people out on random trails picking up trash. And it's likely some of those people got that idea because they saw someone else do it on social media. No, I absolutely love that. And for clarity, if you message me and ask me where I am, as long as you're just at least semi-respectful, um, then I will always tell people, I just don't tag it. So like, if you want to know what's going on, you're going to have to like, or you, if you want to go to that place that you think is really, really cool, then you have to send a message to somebody and you have to have an actual human interaction. And yeah. have, that's building community and that community supports the backcountry, in my opinion. If we're all like at least semi-connected, right? Like I'm not saying DMs are uh, any kind of like real substantial community, but like if you message me, you also might get things like the trailhead's actually not where the trailhead says it is. So don't follow that. Here's a pin for the Google because the all trails takes you down some weird thing and you're just not going to get there. So go to this point And then when you go, you're going to see it on the left, but it's actually going to be buried under a weird bush. Just keep going in that direction and look for the burned out tree on the right. You're in the right place. Cool. Keep going. You know, and like that is really important information that you wouldn't have gotten from a tag that says like, you know, whatever trip. Right. Yeah. And I've had that happen so often where, and I, I think, I honestly feel like, and I've had this conversation with other backpackers and, and uh, in particular through hikers, I think things like all trails um, and, you know, I don't want to name drop a bunch of companies in the middle of our podcast, but I, I think those kind of mapping apps have done more to get people out into the backcountry who had never gone before than Instagram ever will. Oh my fucking God. Yeah, absolutely. All trails is so totally a game changer, even though no, seriously, double check your all trails before you get out of service. Oh, oh every time. And, and that, I think that applies across the board to any user data. You know what I mean? I mean, all trails is essentially Wikipedia for, for hiking. Like I, I can put any information I want. Right, right, right. I may not be right. Totally. But like the other, the other thing about it though, is that even though it is flawed, which it definitely is, so you should just be careful about it. Like, I think it's so incredibly cool that you don't have to go buy a topo map at REI, or if you were really poor, which this is what I did, go to REI, take all of the topo maps out, commandeer an entire aisle, put all of the maps on the ground, and then try to figure it out. It's a disaster. It's so hard. And so like, if you can just search through things, get a good idea, it actually makes it so that things are like a lot more accessible. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's the key. Like I, I love the idea that more people are getting out into the backcountry. Um, I understand that with that increased traffic comes increased impact. And we can find a way to mitigate that we can find a way to educate people we can find ways, you know, I'm, I'm about to go out for a really short overnight trip this weekend. I'm, I'm just trail testing my knee basically. So I'm going to go hike three miles camp and then hike the same three miles home. Um, but I'm going to use that time on the trail to make a handful of videos for the YouTube channel that all relate to the seven principles of leave no trace. Oh, I'm so excited about this project. I, I think to a degree, those of us who have extensive experience in the backcountry also have a responsibility to educate the newcomers. Right. 
And also, it's a perfect segue into why we decided to talk about this topic in the beginning, which is like, we were talking via text about how hard it is that you can look at somebody and you see this beautiful picture of a camp um, overlooking some gorgeous lake and the sunrise is perfect and the weather is perfect and everyone's smiling and holding their little cup of coffee and like it just looks so 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 perfect and then you'll get maybe a caption that's like overlooking this beautiful lake love waking up to this view or something like that and like only took 17 miles to get here and you're like all right what happened on those 17 miles though? And how long did it take you to figure that out? And how long did it take you to get get okay with hiking 17 miles? And what did your pack that you bought, bought, like how did that fit you? And how did you make all of these decisions? None of those things are answered. You just see a lake and a person and you're like, wait, how come I'm not having this picturesque experience? Yeah, and, and I think another point on that, and I this just comes from the amount of experience I have hiking in, in the Sierras and on sections of the Pacific Crest Trail in, you know, specifically doing my, my PCT section hikes, I'll see like influencer accounts, quote unquote, influencer accounts. And they're like, Oh, best view to wake up to. And I'm like, yo, that's literally two miles from the highway. Like I know where you are. You're making it like you, you know, and, and they, they just walked in like two miles and set up their camp and took this gorgeous picture and kudos to them for their photography skills. But to somebody who didn't know, they're like, oh, they're miles and miles into the backcountry. They're so isolated and they can probably still fucking hear traffic because like I know where that campsite is. I've been there. I know where you are and I know that you're kind of lying a little bit. Not salty at all. But I, I mean, I've seen it more than once. And there's one particular influencer and I absolutely will not name them. No one ask. I don't, I won't do it. Um, there's one particular Instagram influencer who has almost a quarter of a million followers. And I have seen multiple pictures on their page where I'm like, you can probably see your fucking car. Like if you turned the camera to 45 degrees, your car is probably right there. And again, kudos to them for having this gorgeous picture and you can't take away from their photography skills. They took a stunning landscape shot and then probably just jumped in their car and drove to Starbucks. Right, right. So you, you, you have to take everything you see on social media with kind of a grain of salt. Like there's a lot of misdirection and... And even on the accounts that aren't doing that kind of shenanigans, like my YouTube channel is a perfect example of this. My channel is three years old. So from day one, very first video, you didn't see the 12 years of prior backpacking experience. Yes. You saw a seasoned backpacker hitting the trail. And so if you're a brand new hiker and you're watching that and you're like, well, why wasn't my experience like this? Why couldn't I walk? 22 miles in a day why why didn't i summit that peak why why is my gear not that nice you know and i'm like well because i had 12 years right like i literally had 12 years prior like i've done the the cheap discount gear thing i i had cheap discount gear for years and years and years and then i saved up and i bought nicer gear and i bought nicer gear and i bought nicer gear i've done the two mile hike to a gorgeous lake and just been like, I'm done. I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. 
all of that happened in the 12 years prior to me starting a YouTube channel. Right, because nobody goes, I'm going to go on my first hike. Let me put this all over the public space because you don't know what you're doing yet, right? Like you don't consider putting out content about what you're doing until you feel confident about that thing. And by the time you feel confident, even if it's pretty close to when you start, you went through a lot of steps and nobody ever talks about those steps. And I think that that's really important because in, in lifting, you see the same thing, right? Like you see these athletes that are shredded and super strong and their form is amazing and they're just so confident and you don't see that they've been doing this they started in competitive gymnastics when they were three until they were eight when they were eight they played competitive whatever and then they got into this then they got into that and then they've been lifting but first they did bikini for 10 years and as a result their body just sits at this incredibly lean weight and you don't see any of that right all you see is the shredded person doing this perfect thing really strong way stronger than you and so i have athletes who are in their first year of lifting and they're like what why am i not that and i'm like because that's like the most evolved pokemon and you're still bulbasaur I don't get that reference. I'm going to be real honest with you. <laughs> Bulbasaur is the little tiny dinosaur that you get in the very beginning. You get one of three and it's the baby that hatches out of the egg that the guy starts the journey. Oh, okay. So I actually fell into that trap when I was doing CrossFit. Okay. That was one of the hardest things for me was going to the gym every day and watching. So this is twofold. And, and I understand that this was all my own doing, that this was a, a psychological problem that I shouldn't have had and I should have been able to get over um, because I, I shouldn't have been trying to live through other people's experiences, but I did. Um, I mean, we all do it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, it was it was pretty extreme with me when I was going to CrossFit. Um, the first problem was I was easily 20 years older than the next closest person to me who worked out at that gym. So I, when I started CrossFit, I was in my early forties and I'm, and I'm going in and working out with 20 year olds and 30 year olds. The other thing was that, um, and we touched on this a little bit. I think it might've been in the first or second episode. I, I am what society would consider fat. I don't see myself that way. I don't view myself that way, but I am viewed that way, if that makes sense. Um, and so here's all these cut skinny people lifting 50, 60, 70 pounds more than me. And I'm just like, I'm bigger than you. I should be able to lift more than you. Um, but I'd been doing CrossFit for like six months and they'd right. been doing it for like six years. Right. Exactly. And, and you don't see that because, and, and nobody has the responsibility of saying it, right? Like every person who posts a backcountry picture doesn't have to say, Hey guys, don't, don't forget. This is my 15th year of being in the backcountry. You know, like we're not, you don't have to be in a CrossFit class and say like, hi, uh, my name's John. I've been doing CrossFit for nine years and uh, I eat a macro deficit and I've actually felt like shit and haven't slept in a couple of days um, because my hormone profile's all fucked up. I'm not talking shit on CrossFit at all. Um, no, not at all. Like, <laughs> uh, I actually competed in CrossFit. I love CrossFit. It has its place, but it does have its faults too. And I'm going to tease about it. Um, but like that person is, going to be like hi class my name's john i've been doing this for a really long time 
you know, they're not going to say that every time. They're not going to, they're not going to go into that. You're not going to get everyone's experience. And so all you have is a visual representation and the uh, inadequacy that it can sometimes bring. And that's really fucking damaging. And I think it's really hard when you're looking at that person charging through a workout in front of you in a class or on Instagram or even in front of you on a trail and think to yourself, okay, so the reason that they're having a better experience than me is they must be more experienced. You know, we don't think like that. We just go, well, fuck, like, I want to, I feel bad about myself now, you know, like, and it, it's, it sucks, but there are ways to navigate it. I think. Agreed. Um, so a trend that I'm noticing, especially on YouTube lately, um, I watch a ton of YouTube and not just outdoor and hiking stuff. I watch, I have my subscribed list is ridiculous. Like if anybody looked at it, they would think I had 12 personalities, but one of the things I'm noticing in particular with hiking and backpacking and specifically some of the bigger through hikers, like some of the more popular through hikers is they are talking about that specifically. They are talking about you don't need the best gear. You don't need to do the Appalachian Trail as your very first hike. You don't need to do, you know, you can you can you can use gear that you have right now. You can you can go hike two miles in your regular tennis shoes. And this subject is coming up over and over and over again on multiple channels. And it's really cool to see. And I'm really, really excited that that is that's, that's happening. And that's a trend now with a lot of these channels that have, you know, tens of thousands of viewers and, and they're sponsored and they're like literally making a living off being on YouTube as a hiker. The dream. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, like it'll never happen for me, but I would take it in a heartbeat if it could. Um, but you're seeing it consistently over and over and over again, these really, really popular hiking channels that are getting, you know, six, 700 views in the first half hour, they post a video and they're talking about how you don't need a $600 tent. You don't need $200 running shoes. You don't need to summit two 14ers in a row. You don't need to be able to hike the entire Pacific Crest Trail. You can do these littler hikes. You can go out with your friends. You can, you know, you can have these smaller adventures and those are all still really valid. And it's really, really cool to see happening. I wish more of that was translating to Instagram because I think Instagram has a much bigger reach than YouTube does. I don't know why I think that I could be totally wrong. I have absolutely no data to back that statement up, but in my brain, more people look at Instagram than they do at YouTube. I'm actually really excited that you said that because I think that this might be a differentiation between uh, platforms and you know, hands down a million times more about YouTube than I do. I think I charged, I added my channel two weeks ago and I added it exclusively to benefit a training app that I'm building, right? So like I literally just was required to post on YouTube to put the link into my app. And as a result, I started a YouTube channel. That is it. There was literally nothing else. So I don't know anything about it, but Instagram, I know very, very well. And I think one of the problems, I've seen this in my own um, data, but I've also seen it in um, in other people's posts and b- before when you could still see likes. And I've talked to quite a few people online about this and that's, you can't, you can, if you talk, if you choose to talk about um, 
the the struggle part of any experience, right? Like a bad day at the gym, a hard day on the trail, uh, a day when you're having a panic attack, if you're like a mental health person, like all these things. If you choose to talk about the less exciting, not gorgeous picture holding a cup of coffee in front of the beautiful blue lake, right? Like if you choose to get real, sometimes those posts will perform. A lot of times those posts will not perform. And if you put a post up that's like, like exciting and fun, and uh, as you and I have talked about, like kind of maybe goofy or stupid or silly, those are the posts that trend towards being better performers in my experience and the experience of the people that I've talked to talk to. Now, I do have a little bit of experience with some posts that I've put up where people were like commenting a ton and that boosted my algorithm significantly. But I think there is a uh, machine based um, incentive program on Instagram to incentivize people to not post the blister pictures. So that was going to be my my question to you. Do you have a sense with just with your your personal Instagram presence, do you have a sense that those more negative, not, I don't want to say negative, I don't like that. Those more real. Yeah. Those more like honest, real, you know, I'm struggling posts. Do you think those are actually not getting engagement because people are scrolling past them? Or do you think Instagram isn't showing those to your followers? So I think that it's harder to post on those things because it takes more effort. And as a result, it is a, it encourages the algorithm to decrease the amount of traffic that you have to a post, right? Like, okay, so I have some great examples because I recently posted a, a picture of me in a bikini that shows my butt in a beautiful lake that is relatively well taken and still iPhone, but like it's edited, it's taken, it's whatever, there was some effort there. And then a well-formulated and incredibly positive post about uh, like encouraging people to eat, right? And then I've had posts in the past that were like ways that I've dealt with the burnout and anxiety that I felt. Uh, And even when it's positive, when it's like, hey guys, we're gonna get through this. I've had so many athletes today just totally like falling apart and having a really, really challenging time. A lot of us are burning out. It's the end of COVID, blah, blah, blah. Like we can do this. I think to post on that, you have to say, yeah, thanks for the message, blah, blah, blah. It takes some effort as opposed to the other one where you can post heart eyes or heart emoji or sparkle, sparkle, heart, heart, heart emoji, lovey emoji, heart eyes emoji, sparkle, sparkle, sparkle. And that's it. Right. And that comment gets more engagement. So as you're talking right now uh, and I'm listening to you, I'm also scrolling through my Instagram just to see. And I think I have the the exact opposite situation happening. Like, this is kind of funny looking at this. Like, oh, I love that. I posted a thumbnail of my last Ruby Crest Trail video, like the, the finale of that series. And they got like 40 likes and like three comments. Um, earlier today, I posted a thing about kind of similar to the subject we're talking about right now, about just not letting what you see on social media discourage you. And it's got almost twice the amount of likes and, and easily twice the amount of comments. So I got a lot of engagement on this really long winded, you know, it was like four paragraph long caption about the pitfalls of 
of of social media, exactly what we're talking about right now about not okay, you know, about looking at these. Pause for a um, second. That's a positive okay. post still. That's an easy to engage with post. That's fair. If you posted, I've been feeling anxious because I've been seeing these other backcountry people and they seem like they're doing a lot better than me. And it's really, really challenging when you come across these things. Um, and when they come up, sometimes here's some methods that I use to deal with them. That post would be much more challenging to engage with. So on that subject. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, about, I don't know when this was. I Four days ago, according to my Instagram feed, I posted the story that I told earlier about the negative comments I got that were uh, misconstrued. Uh, you know, people thought I was saying something negative about the two hunters that helped me out. Right. And I, I posted this thing about how that was, that had me feeling down. That had me pissed off. Like I, that clearly wasn't my intent in the video. I was very grateful to these two gentlemen for helping me. Um, and that got around the same engagement as the positive post. Ooh. Now, I, I think this might go back to what you were talking about with, with the bikini picture. Um, both of those pictures or both of those captions had really gorgeous landscape shots. And then I wrote this long winded caption that kind of had nothing to do. I mean, other than the fact that the one picture was taken on the Ruby Crest Trail and I was talking about something that was loosely related to my Ruby Crest trip. Right. And then the other post is a, a landscape shot from my first solo hike. And I was talking about, you know, we, how we all start at zero and, and don't let social media make you think that some people are starting at a hundred and you're the only one starting at zero. Right. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it has more to do with the actual image than it does the caption. I don't know. I think the image has a huge amount to do with it, but I I want to segue, what are some ways that you deal with that? Like when you look at an image or you experience media that makes you feel shitty in some way, what have, what have been some tactics that you've used to feel better about it? Like on my own feed or, or like when I'm, when I'm looking at somebody else's feed and, and it, like they're doing something that I think is cooler than what I'm doing. Exactly. The, um, lean person and CrossFit in front of you for all intents and purposes? So that that's a really interesting question. I, I don't know. I, because the way I interact with social media is different than the way I would interact with somebody who was directly in front of me in, in the gym, for example. Um, I have this idea in my head that almost everything I see on social media is not a hundred percent true, which is weird because everything I personally post on social media is like, if you met me in real life, I'm the exact same person you see on these YouTube videos. There's no, there's no difference. Okay. But let's be real. You are not, you are, you are not the, the norm in that regard. Agreed. Agreed. But in, in my head, even though I approach social media in a different way, I take most things I see on there with a grain of salt. So like if, if somebody posts, you know, a, a really good example. Um, a few months ago, my buddy Brian and I tried to summit the middle Palisades, which is just this absolutely brutal approach. You're, you're practically bouldering for two miles just to get to where you start climbing this terrifying chute. 
And I had decided that when we got there, there there's two possible routes. One of them's easier and one of them's crazy hard. And I decided that if the easier one wasn't available, I just wasn't doing it. The closer we got to that shoot and, and the more I thought about trying to summit at all, I started to kind of have like a panic attack. And so I just decided I wasn't going to do it. I was going to, I'll, I'll hike in there with Brian. I'll support him. He'll summit. I won't no big deal. Like maybe two or three weeks later, I saw a post from someone I follow on Instagram who had summited middle Palisade. And I think a lot of people would have looked at that and gone, Oh, I suck. I didn't summit. This person did. But my immediate thought was like, yeah, get it. Good. Good for you. Like I couldn't do that. You good job. So I, I approach the things I see on social media differently. And I think I am almost immediately supportive of like everyone. I want everyone to be awesome all the time. This is something that we share. I think that that helps a lot. Cause like, I'm like, yeah, get it. That's rad. I'm so stoked you're doing that. I want to do that. And I'm going to work really hard to be able to do that. Right, exactly. So, and especially like my, my social media feeds are fairly curated. You know, I, I, I'm pretty quick with the block button. If, if somebody's a jerk, I'm just like, eh, I don't have time for that energy. You know, so everybody who I follow on social media are people who I want to do awesome things. And I want to be a part of that in some small way by looking at their picture or watching their YouTube video. And, and I, I just want these people to, to succeed because in a weird way, they're my friends, you know, and I have, I have a lot of digital friends who I truly consider friends. Like they're not just this random account. Like they're, they're people that I have like hours long chats with in the DMS or people that I've given my phone number to that I met because we both go hiking on Instagram, you know? Um, and so I, I, in terms of, of answering your question, I tied a really long tail on this, but in terms of answering your question, I've never looked at something on social media and felt bad about myself. Okay. I love that. You are also not in the norm there. Yeah. That's just not how I interact with social media because when I see that somebody finished the, the JMT, or I see that somebody finished the Pacific Crest Trail, I'm immediately like digitally high-fiving them. I, I, and even though those are things that I want to do and I haven't done yet, I'm just like, yeah, get it, get it. You know, and so it's never, it's that for me personally, that's never come up. Although I do empathize and understand the fact that I'm, I'm in a probably really tiny minority of people that don't, automatically see the success of other people in in these digital formats and think oh why can't I do that it's just never how I've approached social media I think it's I think that what you're talking about is a legitimate tool though like the celebrating others people's successes is is like a life hack if you can look at other people and be like man it is so fucking cool that you did that I just think that that's so cool that you did that it immediately circumnavigates that you're a piece of shit because you didn't do it Right. It's like uh, it's just this like way around that. And I think that you just brilliantly articulated it. And you also touched on another point that I think is really important and is actually something that not recently, but I have historically actually told people to do. And that's that you can unfollow. 
you can choose what's in your feed. Now, you can't choose every part of social media because they actively uh, try to curate things to try to get you to move in different directions. So on Instagram, at least, you have to be careful that when you go to the search function, you don't get stuck in this like bog of whatever they've decided to feed to you. Because for me, it's a very strange mix of uh, wilderness pictures, uh, food porn, and incredibly shredded people. And like, I could easily fall into this trap of both really wishing that I could eat an abundance of sparkly cake and also wishing I was out on the trail, but also wishing my body was different, right? And that like, maybe if I did this, that, or the other thing a little bit differently, I could be like this person who has this like super Instagrammable body. And I think that you have to be careful for that. But like, if you've come across an account that you've been following for any amount of time and you realize that it doesn't make you feel awesome, fucking unfollow. Just decide that that's not part of your reality and move forward with your life. Full stop. Like you are absolutely, you don't have to say, hey, you're a garbage human because you posted that picture two miles from your car. You don't have to be like, hey, you're encouraging people into eating disorders because you're shredded. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just decide that that person's not part of your existence and you will forever forget about them. Or you think about social media stuff too much and maybe need therapy. I don't know. Um, so like, I think you can like, control your environment more than people take power for or put, take power over and i think that that's a really valuable tool too well, i think I, I again as you were chatting and i was listening i promise <laughs> uh i looked at your holly resilient instagram and i think a big part of why our experiences are so different you have over ten thousand followers i do you you have a, a pretty respectable instagram presence well, thank you I have like almost 500. <laughs> you know, what's funny though, is that those smaller accounts are actually much more fun. Like the Holly does nature is actually the place that I have better conversations almost always. And, and I think that is exactly the point I'm trying to get at is, so you have 10,000 individuals that are looking at the, the Holly X resilient Instagram just by the law of averages 10% of those people are going to be dicks <laughs> uh, I would say it might be more than 10% but I do like a lot of the people who follow me right but just just for the sake of conversation let's just say 10% of the population totally. are complete assholes right if I'm dealing with 500 people and 10% of that 500 are assholes I can weed them out pretty easily if you're dealing with 10,000, 20,000, some of these accounts have 50,000 and 10% of those people are assholes, you are just bombarded with shitty people all day long. So I think by virtue of A, me not being good at social media, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how search engine optimization works. I don't get it. And part of me doesn't ever want to learn which I know is counterproductive to the fact that I have a YouTube channel and I have a public Instagram channel. I should know about these things. I should know how to grow my, my online presence. And I don't, I just, I just, I don't fucking know how to do it. And I get angry and frustrated when I try to learn, you know, I watch all these YouTube videos about how to grow your YouTube channel. And I'm just like, I'm not fucking doing any of that fuck all of that noise. I'm not doing any of that. And then 
the second that sentence comes out of my brain, I'm just like, well, yeah, but you have to. Like, if you want your channel to grow, you have to do these, these steps. You have to learn about search engine optimization. You have to learn how to ride the algorithm. You have to learn all these tricks, you know, to, to entice people to look at your, your videos. Otherwise, you're just going to have the same, you know, 100 to 200 people watching your videos for the rest of your life. So I understand that what I'm doing is not helping me. But I'm probably not going to change because I'm a stubborn, I mean, I'm just stubborn. But I don't want you to change because what you're putting out is content that is vulnerable, warm, inviting, honest, and informative. And I think that those things are really important. But like more, okay, so like we digress, we digress. So we've got tool number one, you can control your environment. Tool number two, like be excited for people's successes as opposed to envious and jealous. Um, I think thing number three for me is somewhere in between notice what you're fucking good at and celebrate that too. And like, what can you be good at in the future? Like if you see somebody and they went on this epic uh, summit and you realize that you have to have ice climbing skills to go on the epic summit, sign up for a fucking ice climbing class and do that class and then go get at ice climbing, go do that summit and get freaking stoked on yourself or more, even better, go find another place that makes you more excited and then celebrate your success there as opposed to being, uh, being like downtrodden on yourself about what you didn't do figure out what you can do and then go do it and then celebrate it more than you would have ever felt bad about not doing the other. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. And I do try, uh, you know, back to your other point, the, the content that I'm putting out would never change. Like that's just who I am. I'm, I'm not, I'm not capable of not presenting things in a very real way, even the terrible things. You know, if I have a bad day on the trail, everyone who watches my YouTube channel is going to know it. If I have an amazing day on the trail, everybody who watches my YouTube channel is going to know that. Um, I will never, ever present something on my social media or in my real life that isn't accurate because one of the biggest pitfalls that I fell into as a beginner backpacker was, you know, back then there wasn't a ton of YouTube channels but there were blogs. Everybody had a blog and you could read about all these epic adventures. And so I would read, you know, oh, okay, I'm doing this trail. So like I, I wanted to through hike the Tahoe Rim Trail. So I read all these blogs about the Tahoe Rim Trail and all of them were just like, ah, oh, epic sunset, epic this, ep everything's amazing. Everything's awesome. And then I got out on the trail. I'm like, yo, nowhere in your blog did you mention that there's 27 fucking miles with no water? <laughs> it's lies by omission though, right? Like yeah. it is... Absolutely. And I won't do that ever. I don't care if I have 500 followers or 5 million followers. If I come across a 27 mile section where there's no fucking water, everyone is going to know that. <laughs> everyone. I will tell everyone there's literally 27 miles where you can't have water. Carry all the water from this water source. This is your last water source for the next two days carry everything you can possibly carry because I don't want to be the reason somebody has a terrible time. Right. And I think that library omission is interesting because what it does is it gives you two options. You can be brutally honest or 
you can be positively honest. And that's the place that I have landed. And that's that like, I don't want to be the person who just acts like everything is uh, PRs in the gym and epic sunrises and that that epic sunrise wasn't actually 30 degrees. And I only brought a hoodie and like the whatever's going on. Like, but what I do is I, I just try to be PMA all the time. I try to just say, okay, so it was cold. It was whatever, but I had a great time. And that's the truth. Right. And I think that it's important that people tell you that there was fucking 27 miles with no water. But I think it's also important that people are like, I got blisters. I huffed and puffed. There was a chunk of the trail that I cried the entire time. I vomited twice. I was very thirsty because no one posted the 27 fucking miles with no water. Um, but it was an awesome trip. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think, um, the point of the post I made earlier today that we were, that we, we kind of touched on, I, I showed pictures from my very first solo hike, which was one of the most fun disasters I've ever experienced. I saw that post. Okay. Yeah. So I had no idea what I was doing. I none, no clue. I put everything my backpack could fit. I had it. I liked all your water bottles. I literally carried five liters of water. <laughs> That's a, that's 11, that's 11 and a half pounds. The first backpacking trip I ever went on, we carried gallon jugs of water that were tied to the outsides of our backpacks. Right. Because you just, you didn't know any better. Well, it was actually because we couldn't afford a water pump and uh, we didn't, I guess my parents didn't know what a freaking water pump was, but we couldn't have afforded it anyway. But like, there are many ways, by the way, but we'll get into hopefully at some point when we talk about gear uh, or whatever. We'll, in some future episode, we'll talk about like methods of, of filtering water. There are methods that don't involve hundreds of dollars into a, 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 air, a water purifier that could have been used. But I digress. Right. Um, so the, the point of that post was that, you know, I, I'm, I'm getting to a point now where every day, I'll see 10 to 20 new followers on, on either Instagram or YouTube. Like I posted, I think it was three days ago. I posted that I just crossed the 400 follower mark on my YouTube and now I'm almost 500. Whoop, whoop. So I mean, ev every day it's growing and snowballing. So I wanted to make a post that said, yo, I, I used to suck at this too. <laughs> You know, and I, and I, but I wanted it to be a little more eloquent than that. You know what I mean? I just went, Hey, look, look at this. I fucked this up. Um, so the whole point of that post was like, these are pictures of my very first time doing this by myself. I made all the same dumb mistakes that you're probably making that you may have made on your last trip. It gets better. Every single time you learn, like my second trip, I definitely didn't carry five liters of water. I can tell you that. Cause that was 11 and a half pounds. I didn't need, um, and so the whole point of that post was it kind of exactly what we're talking about here. And the point we're trying to get to in this podcast is that you, you don't, you can start at zero and things can be fun. You can hike two miles in and camp and then hike two miles back to your car. And that's a backpacking trip. It doesn't, you don't have to go on a through hike. You don't have to summit a 14 or you don't have to, you, you don't have to get through the whole day and feel sunny and bright. You can cry on the trail. You can throw up on the trail and it's still a backpacking trip and it's still in a weird way it's still fun like 
that struggle and that difficulty and bordering on that type three kind of fun. Like when you're like, like type two and a half fun, those are the best backpacking trips. Okay. I love that you just said that because like the, the closing that I had was there's a lot of gray area in between type two and type three fun. There is so much gray area and you can go in the course of an hour between, uh, type two, type three, type 15, and (laughs) like still have an absolutely fantastic trip. So can I change up our trips last minute? Our three at the end? Yeah, you're going to throw me off, but okay. Okay. (laughs) I gave you an hour plus to think about it. And then I threw you under the bus. Okay. I don't have an answer to these yet either. So I'm throwing myself under the bus too. Um, Three funniest mistakes you have made in learning. To get where you are. Oh my God, this is so easy. Oh, I I have them all right away. Okay, you're going first then. This is ridiculous. And and they all come from that first trip that I posted about on Instagram today. Um, Number one, absolutely positively research where your water sources are. Uh, On that trip, it would have taken, all it would have taken, literally all it would have taken, this was before all trails existed. This was before things like gut hooks and, and all these other amazing apps that you can use. Um, literally all it would have taken was opening my internet browser on my computer, going to the Tahoe rim trail website, typing the words water source, and it would have listed them all. And then I could have just gone, Oh, okay. So I basically walk past one every hour. I don't need to carry five liters of water. So just a minimal amount of research. So I would say my number one biggest mistake was not researching the trail I was hiking. Okay, okay, okay. My, my first one is going to be uh, communicate about what is in your pack if somebody else puts stuff there. So you don't get to the trail and there are seven apples in your bag. That's my number one. <laughs> Slash just don't let somebody else pack your bag. Let's just leave it at that. I think, and I and I'm in love with this. I think we've talked about the seven apples on every single episode of this podcast. <laughs> we have to find a way to work that into every future episode. Uh, okay, so my second one, um, and we'll touch on the Ruby Crest Trail, the, the trip I just got back from. So this is me, 13 years into backpacking. So if you're a new backpacker, understand that a seasoned backpacker, someone who's literally hiked thousands of miles in the backcountry can still fuck up. I underestimated that trail so hard. Like I looked at the elevation profile. I looked at, and in my head, I'm just like, I'm physically capable of walking 20 miles a day on a trail. Right. I am not physically capable of walking 20 miles a day on every trail. Right. So I, I underestimated that trail and I overestimated my ability. And this is, like I said, this is 13, 14 years into my time as a backpacker. So if, if you're a new backpacker, don't beat yourself up over these mistakes because when you're no longer a new backpacker, you're still going to find a way to, to screw yourself. Okay. All right. Can, can one of mine be somebody else's? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, so the first, uh, my partner's name is Brian. Uh, the first hike Brian and I went on that was significant. That wasn't like a local hike. 
uh, is a 14 mile hike uh, to this lake that I just like, I'm absolutely in love with that I'll probably talk about extensively on here, but isn't really relevant. Um, it is a significant amount of up. It is a significant amount of down. There is open granite. There is uh, dusty ash. There is all kinds of terrain. And we got to the trailhead and he forgot his shoes. So we hiked the entire thing in flip-flops. And that part is quite impressive. Um, but check all your gear before you get in the car and turn the key. Absolutely. And um, I'm not counting this as my third one, but just to piggyback off yours, I may or may not have at one point on a PCT section hike gotten to camp and realized I did not have my shelter. That might happen. That's a thing that I think possibly it definitely happened i literally forgot my tent uh my parents used to literally live in the mountains of montana and uh semi-recently they have been hiking and backpacking for a really long time uh semi-recently within the last few years they also forgot their tent so you can always do it yeah i have heard and, and we're going to tie another long tail on this before we get to our third ones. But I would wager if we took a blind survey of like a hundred through hikers, we'll just pick through hikers because they have more miles logged than, than the average section hiker or, right, right. or, or day hiker or whatever. So if we, if we took a, a blind survey of a hundred through hikers, I would bet the vast majority have, at least once forgotten their shelter because I hear that story so often from so many other hikers where it's just like yeah no I got out there and I had I had my sleeping bag I had my raincoat I had my food and that's it you know like so it's it's a weird thing I don't know how people forget their shelter I don't know how I forgot my shelter but it happens all the time it, do, it does it does it does I I want to say one other thing related to the shoe thing and that's check your shoes before you leave so don't just throw your shoes in the bag um I have also gotten to the trailhead and fortunately this has never been catastrophic for me but I have also gotten to the trailhead and realized that my shoe sole was not doing great in its adherence to the rest of the shoe and I've never had it flop around, but I have had water get inside of it and it was uncomfortable. So check your shoes and also make sure your gear is where it needs to be before you get in the car. All right. So my third biggest mistake on any backpacking trip, and I, I honestly, I feel like I wish I had started my YouTube channel sooner so that all of these mistakes were on the channel and people could reference them and go, oh, this guy who does this all the time made the same silly mistake that I made. But all of this was pre pre-YouTube, except for the Ruby Crest Trail, because um, those are my three most recent videos where I just hilariously underestimated how difficult this trail was. Um, but my third one, I had planned a trip that required a permit, and the only way the permits were issued was in person. So I got up super, super early. I rushed all the way down uh to the ranger station down in in uh, south lake tahoe and by the time i got there the permits were gone they only issue x amount per day i was on the outside of that bubble so no permit for me so on the fly just using all trails i just randomly picked another hike that was a reasonable driving distance from where i was and i was like cool i'll just start at this trailhead i'll hike to this lake and that was the extent of my research 
I looked on all trails. I saw that there was a trailhead. I saw that there was a lake. I paid no attention to what was in between those two things. And I ended up walking 40 fucking miles. Whoa. In one day. I left the trailhead at 8.30 a.m. I hit the lake at 8.30 p.m. Didn't even bother to eat. Just went to bed. Woke up in the morning, ate my dinner that was supposed to be the previous night's dinner and my breakfast and hiked the same stupid 40 miles back to my car. Yeah. Okay. All right. It was dumb. Absolutely dumb. Okay. My last one is um, kind of weird, but I'm just going to say it, even though this is a public space. Uh, know your, <laughs> know your uh, neurotic uh, tendencies. So I have a couple and one uh, we've talked about, like, I can't go to sleep if my feet are cold. So make sure you bring a warm pair of socks. Uh, another one is it really, really bothers me if my uh, lips are chapped. And that happens a lot in, in the mountains. Um, and getting chapstick to not turn into a pool at the bottom of wherever you put it is its own challenge that I'm not going to get into right now. Um, but, uh, but making sure that you have the things that you need to be small comforts, like don't bring your fucking flat screen or your boom box, you know, like you don't need any of that shit. But like, if you know you can't sleep and your feet are cold, make sure that you bring warm socks. Yeah, absolutely. And previously I have not done those things. And I just lay there and fume at my previous self that my stupid feet are cold. And as a result, I have to do all the hiking tomorrow with no sleep. And I'm so mad about it. Um, or I just lay there and think about, my stupid chap lips and they hurt and they're so distracting. Um, so I've forgotten these things multiple times. And um, and I think it's important that you think about those things, even if they fit into our previously uh, previous episodes trips, which is little luxuries. Sometimes they're your little luxuries. So on the subject, just really quick of, uh, and I, I really wanted to try hard not to do company plugs, but this one I think is is worth it. Do you have tube chapstick, the one that you squish out? Aquifer makes a thing called lip repair and it works even if it's melted into a puddle, even if it's just completely liquid, it still does the job. Well, doesn't it come in a tube with like a little hole at the top that looks like a chapstick yeah. thing, but is actually plastic. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just hate yeah, the way it feels they... because I'm a finicky jerk. Gotcha. Yeah. The aquifer is the only one that I take on the trail and it's, um, the only one that I found that works, even if it's completely melted and liquefied. Yeah, no, uh, total, totally backed. You should not turn into a weird, specifically finicky princess like me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Although it is worth noting that the longer my trip gets, the more logistically uh, pragmatic I get about things. So there is that. Um, all right, so where can people find you? Uh, as always, all of my social media is just under Lost Again with Jim. I have been getting better in the show notes of adding all of our long list, your websites in the show notes now. Uh, so any if you go on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, search Lost Again with Jim, you'll find me. All right. And you can find me at Holly X Resilient. Um, everything that is important about what I'm doing and other accounts and whatnot are either in my drum, which is linked there, um, or is linked in my actual bio. Uh, and if you want to find me 
I also own a gym in Oakland and you can find it. It's resilient strength. It's also linked in the show, in, uh, in my Instagram and in the show notes. Before we end, um, we are absolutely interested in having guests. Yes. We have booked, we have booked our first guest, Woo-hoo! which is very exciting. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. The rest of it is going to be a surprise for when we do the official announcement, but we do have a guest scheduled that will be interacting with us uh, in the weird way that we freeform interact. Um, If you are interested in being a guest, hit either one of us up on our Instagrams. We'd love to hear from you. We are in particular, we're looking for people who have stories that might help new hikers feel more comfortable on the trail. Um, So if you, if you have done something or created something that you think is going to be really beneficial to a brand new hiker, or if you have a horror story of some terrible thing that's happened to you on the trail that you would like to share so that a new hiker can avoid falling into that same pitfall, hit us up. And on that same note, if you have any uh, topics that you would like us to cover, we would love to hear those too. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. So I think, uh, I think that wraps episode three. Thanks y'all. Episode three, super stoked to put it out.